Welcome to another exciting episode of Feasting at the Table with Grace Tom Lawyer. Feasting at the Table is a Bible study program that seeks to apply the truth of God's word to our everyday life. It is a feast and so there's something for everyone. Get ready for a fresh, anointed and timely word from God. Thank you, Lord, for the preciousness of sharing your word. Thank you for the gift of the word of God. We praise you, Father. We thank you for your word today. Welcome, welcome, Wonkel. Thank you for joining us as we continue our study on the faithfulness of God. We have been living and looking at the life of Abraham in the book of Genesis, using him as a prototype of the faithfulness of God. And for the past weeks, we've just been going on and on as we've moved from one chapter to the other, considering different sections. Two weeks ago, we began to look at the man Lot because we came to Genesis chapter 14 and we decided that in short, if we look at Genesis chapter 13, it's talking about the man Lot. We call 13 there about the Lot chapters and we decided to look at the man Lot. We've looked at several things about the man Lot and last two weeks, we began to look at how Abraham went ahead to rescue his nephew Lot, who, if we remember correctly, had sort of outwitted him, chosen the best for himself, looked towards Sodom, camped towards Sodom, and eventually living in Sodom. And then he got captured when there was an international battle. He got captured. We cannot, as it were, join the world and think we will not suffer the things that happen in the world. We will not be affected by the world system. Last week, we began to look at Lot and look at the story again of Genesis chapter 14. We said we we're going to look at it through the eyes of Gregory Brown, who sees that chapter as one of rescuing, rescuing a, fall, a falling brother. Incidentally, as I've gone to look at some other commentators, some other Bible study teachers that I look at, look at them, Stephen Cole and somebody else that was what they're looking at the chapter as. And I'm also looking at the chapter as a, as a, as a as a prototype, as it were, as a, a demonstration of God's faithfulness when it comes to rescuing a fallen brother, a demonstration of God's faithfulness when it comes to going after us to bring us back together with him. Hallelujah. Going after us when we are fallen. And I tell you that God uses men to do that. We have looked at Abraham in this Genesis chapter 14, and I've seen that Abraham could be described as a watcher. We see him watching. He was just wondering. And why he was there, we call him for further down the chapter, we see Abraham as a warrior, which is from verse 13 to 16. And we further see Abraham as the worshiper, verse 17 to 28. It is my desire that we'll get up to Abraham, the worshiper, in this chapter 14 today. We've said that Abraham was told about Lot, that although Abraham was different, he was not indifferent. Although he was separated, he was not isolated. Although he was independent, he was not indifferent. He was not indifferent to the plight of his nephew Lot. And because they knew that Abraham would be concerned, Abraham would do something. Guess what? The information reached him. Child of God, the information that reaches us. You know, because sometimes some certain information reaches us and we think we're just being informed. Sometimes we hear about a fallen brother. Sometimes we hear about something it's not for us to go around and put it down on social media no sometimes it's a call to prayer sometimes it's a call to a rescue mission glory to god in the highest sometimes it's a call you know to do the things that god has done to to, to fight with all that we have because that's what we see abram do after he received that information that his nephew had been captured guess what abram did abram fought with all that he had abram gathered the army that was in his house and they went further to do something hallelujah last week when we we're talking about 
we're seeing a falling brother. There's some things we said, and I'm just going to recap those things so that we can go ahead in that chapter. I'm just turning my notes. I'm turning my notes. That's all I'm doing. I'm turning my notes to see um, what I've written. Glory to God. We said that for someone to be able to rescue a friend, brother, there's a need for separation. We've looked at that in the life of Abraham. He was separated. Look at where he was living. We also said that we had to be motivated by love. That love needs to be our motivation, not a, not a place for gain, not a place for the people to say thank you, but love, pure love should motivate us. Another thing we said was that we should be trained, that the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 14, that Abraham took 318 servants born in his house. They were trained in the house. Who could draw up this word? Those were people who could do something. See, the servants in Abraham's house were not servants who were useless. Glory to God in the highest. You know, I say always, uh, every time I read the word, it's relationship I see. And this morning, as I was looking again at the word and looking at the fact that the Bible tells us that these servants of Abraham were people who could draw the, the sword, the, or they unsheathed their sword, I began to think about it as saying, wow, this means that Abraham's, as it were, um, maids and maid servants, house boys, house girls, were people who were equipped, were people who had the right... I don't know how to put it. There are people who, if it was in Abraham's days, they had education. They were in Abraham's house. They were not just there serving Abraham. Abraham trained them. So if they left Abraham's house tomorrow, they would have something to fall back on. If they left Abraham's house tomorrow, they could defend themselves. They were not just there in Abraham's house and Abraham was using them. No, the Bible says that these people were trained in Abraham's house. I was saying to some group of people this week, I was saying that, look at, look at the life of Abraham. Because Abraham trusted in the faithfulness of God, he was able to utilize his waiting period while he was waiting for his own child, he was training other people's children. Glory to God in the highest. While he was waiting for his own child, he was doing something in the life of other people's children. He was changing the destinies and shaping the destinies of other people's children. Child of God, what are we waiting for God for? What are we still designed the Lord to do? What are we doing about that area? Are we waiting till we do have something in that area before we do something about that area? Are we, are, are, are we like our father Abraham who had 318 children? men in his house we said the army of abram they were trained last week we also said that the army of abram they were united we said that the army of abram they had like vision we said that they were single-minded they trusted their leader they were able to go with their leader all the way you know throughout the night they may have had their other plans but they went with their leader they did all those things with their leader the army of abram had the right attitude and i want to ask this morning this afternoon or evening wherever you are do we have the right attitude in the army we are in in the place where we are in the team in the place where we are subject to the team do we have the right attitude the kind of attitude that can move the team forward i think that that's where we're going to stop for the recap of next of last week and if you want to learn more you can go back and, and listen to um the faithfulness of God part 14 for today we're going to press on with what we're talking about when it comes to rescuing a foreign a fallen brother we said that we're looking at some of these things through the eyes of Gregory Brown what he had written one of the things we said last week was that the for someone to rescue for you to do the rescue mission you need to be trained I don't know if you've had any you've had any watched any film of rescue missions you find out that people who go on rescue missions they are actually trained they are trained on what to do when they see somebody drowning or they're trained or if you if you worked as a lifeguard you understand one of the things you'd be trained to do is how to rescue people i mean somebody is joining what do you do when do you approach them what exactly do you do what are the steps to take why because it's important training is important child of god in the kingdom of god training is important in the kingdom of god there is a place for preparation in the kingdom 
kingdom of God. God is faithful to ensure that preparation takes place. Glory to God in the highest. I was reading something in the Bible this morning when the Bible talks about him putting our teachers in front of us. God puts our teachers in front of us. Our teachers are not far from us. God brings instructors. God brings people around us to teach us his way, to teach us in the way that we should go. But the thing there is because God is faithful to provide this, but are we faithfully following those teachings, these trainings? Are we faithfully doing it or are we putting ourselves up in pride and thinking, no, we are below this, we are, be, we are, be, we are too much for this part of the training? that God is giving us. So we say that the, the army of Abraham, that this army, they were trained. And we now begin to look, how can we be trained? What can, what can we be trained as children of God? You know what Paul says, uh, is it Paul? No, in the book of Hebrews, Bible talks about exercising ourselves unto righteousness, exercising our, you know, our muscles. Part of this training, child of God, is going to come in the place of prayer. It's going to come in a place of prayer. And there's no way we can pray apart from praying. There's no way we're going to pray better if we do not pray hallelujah and child of god sometimes when it comes to the place of prayer it's not a matter of oh i pray 10 hours i pray three hours i pray two hours it's a matter of what is it that works for you do you think that when you wake up in the morning you are still not very great and perhaps a cup of tea or a cup of coffee would wake you up before the prayer actually starts effectively because sometimes we're caught up in traditions we're caught up in oh don't talk to anybody before you pray and all of that but perhaps getting up from our beds and going to get a cup of coffee might just be that thing that will change the prayer part the prayer pattern that will change the prayer time and make it actually effectively where we are actually talking to god and listening to god speaking back to us we say that for us to be trained we need to be men and women of prayer hallelujah spiritually trained in a place of prayer glory to god and the highest apart from being trained in the place of prayer we're talking about being trained in the place of the word we cannot do without the word and like I said last, uh, was it last week I was talking about what Bishop Feb said that someone said to him, how can you, what's more important, prayer or reading the, or studying the word? And he said, what is the, can you check, can you check, what is the difference? You know, what is the importance? How can you, can you differentiate what is more important, breathing in or breathing out? Those two things go simultaneously. We need to take our time for the study of the word. We need to take our time to listen to the word, to just read the word, the cleansing action of the word. Because child of God, as we read the word, God speaks to us. As we read the God word, God communicates to us. As we read the word, we begin to know the mind of God. Have you ever had a friend that you never spoke to and you just became automatic best friend? it doesn't happen when you have a friend if your friendship is going to develop guess what's going to happen there's going to be communication you're going to go through things together and as i study the word that's what i see happening in my life i'm going through things together with the word i'm going to choose together with god i'm reading the word i'm looking at paul i'm being challenged by his life i'm being challenged by the way he talks i'm being challenged by his doggedness i'm being challenged by his passion i'm being challenged by the fact that he was just focused on one thing by the time he knew i mean when he was a pharisee he was a pharisee he followed his fascism to the very end. When he became a Christian, he became a Christian to the very end. I, oh, by the time, I'm reading through the book of Acts. I mean, I'm finishing today. I'm reading through the book of Acts and I, I just read the life of Apostle Paul and I just keep thinking, you know, I just keep thinking, oh God, my goodness, you know, looking at it and looking at this kind of life, looking at what he did for God, why could he accomplish that? Because he was focused. And that's what the word of God does. The word of God reproves us. The word of God challenges us. The word of God inspires us. The word of God corrects us so that the man of God may be trained. That's what the Bible says. That's, I'm not the one who's saying it. Let's, let's turn our Bibles there this, this today. Let's just turn our Bibles there. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 
So it's not like this is what grace is saying. Let's start our Bibles there because that's the effect of the word. Because sometimes we, we we sometimes approach the word of God, reading the word of God like one tick box exercise. So that when they ask us, did you read your Bible a day? Reading the Bible, reading one chapter a day keeps the devil away. No, 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 no. It's not about keeping the devil away. It's about communion. It's about relationship. It's about coming to understand the mind of God. Coming to understand the mind of God. You cannot understand. We cannot understand the mind of God if we do not study his word. We cannot understand the mind of God if we do not take out time to find out what he says about himself. Take out time to find out what people who praised him, what they did and what they did not do. So let's let's go there. First Timothy chapter 3, I believe. I believe it's First Timothy chapter 3. No, sorry, Second Timothy. That's Second Timothy chapter 3. I was wondering to myself as I was saying First Timothy chapter 3 that I might not be saying the right thing. So, yes, let's go to Second Timothy chapter 3. Praise God. Second Timothy chapter 3. I believe that we are supposed to be in verse 16. Yes, every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. I'm reading the TPT translation. Has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will empower you by his instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Lovely, lovely. Glory to God in the highest. I love that. I love that. I'm going to read it again. Every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will empower you. The scripture empowers by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you to deeper in the path of godliness. That is what the scripture does. Leads you in the path of godliness. And let's see what, what in the New Living Translation says that all scripture is inspired by God and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. That is what the scripture does. DNC Translation says all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the truth, for rebuking error, for correcting faults and giving instructions for right living. That is what it is giving instructions for right living showing us the truth making us to be useful in one way or the other exposing our rebellion correcting our mistakes training us to live god's way through the world we are put together and shaped up for the tax that god has for us shaped us for the tax that god has for us. child of god if we're going to get about the mission of rescuing a, fall, a fallen brother or doing something as we see abraham doing something here about lord guess what the bible says that the Bible makes us understand that we must be people of the word. We must be people who study the word. We must be people of the word. We must be people of prayer. That's because the things that comes in the place of training. We must be people, as it were, who are people who love the word. We must be people who have been spiritually trained spiritually trained who are, are making use of all the available resources to ensure that we live a holy life to ensure that we abide in the word of god you know when john was speaking to the people he said in first john chapter 2 verse 4 he said to them he says i write to you young men because you are strong and the word of god lives in you and you have overcome the evil one that is what the word of god does i tell you if lord had the word of god he would not have chosen so, so dumb if he had the word of god he would have known that 
oh, these are some of the decisions. Because we talked about this last time. He would have understood that, listen, this decision I've made is the wrong decision. I should not go by sight. Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Because his, his uncle Abraham, who did not walk by sight, who after Lord departed, Bible says God appeared to Abraham again and spoke to him. He encouraged him. When we're rescuing a foreign brother, we said, first of all, we need to be motivated by love. We said that we need to be spiritually trained. And the next thing we're going to see is we need to ensure we must at times partner with other people, other like-minded believers, uh, brothers. And I'm going to say that in two dimensions also, because that's what I was saying to a group of people earlier on this week. The Bible says here that one who had escaped, this is Genesis chapter 14. We're back in our chapter, chapter 14, verse 13, uh, chapter 14. Let's look at verse 13. It says, one who had escaped came and reported this to Abraham the Hebrew. Now, Abraham was living near the great trees of Mared, the Amorites, a brother of Eshko and Anna, all of whom were allies with Abraham. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten. Okay, that's um, looking at verse 24. But these people were mentioned. I don't know how we sometimes think that we can go about the Christian life or go about all that God has called us to do in isolation. It's not possible. We cannot do these things in isolation. If we're going to do anything great, if we're going to do anything significant, if we're even going to do anything, child of God, we need people, other like-minded people. We need other like-minded people who are going to share the vision. Who are going to share. I'm not talking about calling people and gossiping in the name of prayer. I'm not talking about I'm talking about people who have that like mind. I'm talking about because sometimes we, we have to become people who are careful in our relationships, careful with the people that we choose and allow to come into our life. Because child of God, guess what? The Bible says that one of the things that God hates is one that sows discord among brothers. And I know that I'm speaking today saying that we must at times partner with like-minded people. Because sometimes in the place of trying to partner with people, we've seen how it's so easy to fall into gossip rather than prayer. But I'm coming in a place of prayer. We find ourselves falling to gossip. No, child of God, that's not what we see Abraham doing. Because how do we know we're falling into gossip? Well, we just talk, 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 and we don't do anything. Let's look at the people that Abraham called. He had to tell them, listen, my, my nephew, Lot, he's in trouble. Lot has fallen. Lot is in trouble. He had to tell them. And because he shared it with them, because he was not gossiping about Lot, he shared it with them. And guess what? They did something about it. So that person you're telling, well, are they doing something about it? Is there something that's going to be done about it? They did something about it. These men were ready to, as it were, they were ready as it were to go about fighting the battle. They were risking their own life too. Joining Abraham. Maybe some of them had not even seen Lot before. Perhaps they had seen Lot. Perhaps they had not seen Lot. But they joined Lot. By the time Lot, by the time Abraham said to them, Listen, my brother has been captured. I'm, I need you people. Guess what? They joined forces with him. And I don't want to believe that those three men just came alone. I want to believe that they also came with their own share of their own army. They also came with excuse me they also came with people who they had and they brought their forces they joined those forces with abraham's forces and the bible says they traveled at night 120 miles going all the way to go and rescue lord child of god do we have people like that in our lives do we have people we can call upon when we have a battle do we have people we can pick up the phone and we can say to them there's a problem here and they'll be concerned. You know, I was saying this some weeks ago that sometimes we don't have those people in our lives because we have not bothered to build 
and deposit in relationships. We have not bothered. Every time we've called people, it's because we've called them to collect something. We've called them because we need their help. We've not called people to find out how exactly are you doing? How are things with you? We have not genuinely called people to genuinely care for them. We've not made deposits in their life. And so we're not able to call upon them when we're in trouble. Child of God, it's a call from God this, this day to begin to, to value relationships, to begin to make deposits into relationships. There was something I heard this morning as I was listening to message and the person said that God's business is people that God is passionate about people and that what he does for a living is people you know and I started thinking about it I was like wow I'd never heard it in that way as in God is so passionate about people that that's what he does for a living the Bible says that he's reconciling men to himself so that's what he does for a living he's just passionate about people i you know i begin to ask myself am i passionate about people am i passionate about people do i go all out for people so if we want to be people who are going to rescue a fallen brother child of god we should be spiritually trained and spiritual training we say we've, we've talked about that before we, we've talked about the need for us to partner with other people and i just want to say here that when it comes to partnering with other people sometimes it might not even be people who have the faith sometimes we might need to partner with other like-minded organizations who are joining to do something for humanity because these people that Abraham partnered with we did not hear that they were believers as it were Bible tells us that there is neighbors there are people he had a good relationship with and when we go further down this chapter we'll see what I'm talking about because when we go further down this chapter we we'll see that these men had their own convictions why Abraham had his convictions but Abraham did not force his convictions on these people he respected their convictions but he lived by his own convictions yes so that's that's another thing the next thing we're going to look at when we want to rescue a fallen brother is using wisdom and we see Abraham using wisdom there. Sometimes there's a need, there's a way and a manner we need to go about something. And I'll give an illustration from the scriptures. The Bible tells us about, about David. Yes, David, the man who loved the Lord. The Bible tells us about what he did, how he took Bathsheba, you know, and all that story that he did. And the Bible, at the end of that whole chapter, the Bible says that the thing that David did displeased the Lord. And guess the next thing God did? God sent, sent Nathan the prophet and he went there. And guess what? Nathan did not say, David, you have committed adultery. You have committed murder. No, he didn't say so. He came to David and said, oh, David, I have a story to tell you. You know, you are the king. You need to know what's happening in the kingdom. And David was like, what's the story? And, and Nathan went on and began to say to David, you know that there is this man. You know, there was this rich man and he, 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 he had so many things. And meanwhile, there was this poor man that just had only a lamp. This lamp was like his child. He treated this lamp lovingly. He ate with this lamp he fed this lamb and guess what this rich man who had several things one day a visitor came for this rich man instead of this rich man to take one of his lambs he took the poor man's lamb and he killed it and david shouted that man must die and then nathan said to him say david you are the man david you are the man what you are pointing your fingers at for another person this is what you have done and david broke down child of god that was wisdom and we see Abraham here exhibiting wisdom as he goes to defeat the four kings. He sets, uh, he, he does that in several ways. He goes about in the night. Why they may perhaps be resting, thinking, yes, we've captured. The Bible makes us understand that he divided, he divided his men to surround the camp and then they attacked and he pursued them for a great distance and he recovered everything. He pursued them from regarding or he pursued them till he got everything. Child of God, we need wisdom. Sometimes when we're approaching someone who has done something, sometimes it might not be just going out bluntly and saying the story sometimes it might be with a story 
sometimes in my book they say second samuel chapter 12 that's where we get that story where where david was out there trying to say no this man must die and they said to david you are that man we must use wisdom you know must use wisdom we must seek counsel sometimes going to meet somebody might might my, my mean actually you seeking the counsel of other elders saying to the people oh see what i want to do what do you think that is going to happen what was what's this what's going to happen you know the bible says that abraham went and met these people you know child of god the bible tells us about in the constitute in the multitude of cancer you know there is safety you know in the multitude of cancer there is safety i have to believe that abraham also took cancer from this his friends bible tells us in proverbs chapter 11 verse 14 that for lack of guidance a nation feels but for many advisors many advisors make victory show glory to god and the highest many advisors make victory show using the most effective means that's wisdom the most effective means to rescue people you know sometimes wisdom also means speaking the truth in love efficiency chapter 4 verse 15 says instead speaking the truth in love we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is christ because sometimes i, I was listening to someone i was like oh you're just speaking oh i'm saying the truth in love and sometimes we're saying the truth in love and we're saying it so brashly that even the truth <laughs> even the truth is wiped away I, and i want to say something about that when it comes to saying the truth in love it's something one of the days i was reading the book of john chapter chapter one where john began that talk the the, the prologue you know of the prologue of, of john chapter one you know what john says john talks about when he's talking about jesus he says that we've beheld his glory you know as of the only begotten of the father say full of grace and of truth and, and those words never left me because i realized that the bible is very specific i realized that the writings of the word of god is very deliberate why did grace come before truth why is it that it is grace and truth glory to god and the height because if it's all grace it's possible that we begin to live a horrible life we begin to live you know without without doing doing the right thing but if it is just truth without grace it's going to be hard-hearted it's going to be it's, go, it's going to be you know without emotions it, it's, it's going to be in such a way that Will cause people to fall to the other side but the bible makes us understand if we are going to speak the truth we're going to do that in love when we want to rescue a falling brother do that in love do the way we should go about it in such a way that we descend the heart of wisdom we descend the heart of the people the person who has sinned you know we're not casting our pairs over swine we're going to these people and saying oh this is what has happened this is what you should do you know just going about it just look at what nathan did just going about in wisdom going to david and not telling david directly this is what you have done getting david to see things in the story and i love stories i love novels because sometimes in the story you get to hear you get to discover some truth that perhaps you would not have received if you had been told so to rescue a falling but another thing we must do we must guide ourselves from temptation glory to god and the highest guide ourselves from temptation and how do i know that when we continue to read in this world we see that after abraham had defeated and done all of this the bible tells us to go for that genesis chapter 14 verse 18 to 24 then messiah the king of salem brought out bread and wine he was the priest of god the most high and he blessed abraham saying blessed be abraham by god most high creator of heaven and earth and blessed be the god most high who delivered your enemies into your hands then abraham gave him a tent of everything but abraham said to the king of sodom i have raised my hand to the lord god most high creator of heaven and earth and i've taken an oath that i will accept nothing belonging to you nor even a thread or the trunk of a sandal or so that you never be able to say i made abraham which i will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share 
that belongs to the men who went with me to Adna, to Esher, and to Mary. Let them have their share. I love this because you know the Bible makes us understand here that Abraham he, he, he had an interface with Mercedes, and we, we I know there have been several things about Mercedes, but one of the things about Mercedes that we know from Psalm 110 is that he's also he's not just a king, he's a king and a priest. And the king and a priest refers to us as believers. The Bible says that God has called us into the kingdom, he has called us to be kings and priests. We see that in of revelation chapter one we've been called to be king and priest and so if the bible tells us that abraham met a king and a priest what the bible is saying to us is that abraham had fellowship with other believers glory to god and the highest it's what 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 he's what saying to us here keeping ourselves from temptation is one of the ways we can keep ourselves from temptation is meeting other believers glory to god and the highest we see also that when Meshisedek approached abraham he put abraham's victory in the right perspective he made abraham realize that the victory that came to you has come as a result of the hand of God and child of God it's important for us to understand the victories that come to us to understand that our battles have been fought and won by God and it's important with this as I was looking through this study again one of the things that struck me was that when we look at the book or we look at the chapter in chapter 14 at the very beginning what we'll see is we'll just see oh there's a battle I might think that this is the only battle but guess what there's a first obvious battle which is the one between the kings which is the one we've talked about but you know there's a more subtle battle the battle that comes after victory the battle that comes after success that is the most subtle battle glory to god and the highest that's the battle we need to guide against when we win that battle when we win that battle against success when we are successful fighting the battles that come along with success remember when we're talking in the book of genesis chapter 13 we said that the battle the strife that came between lot and abraham came as a result of strife it came as a result of it came as a result of success it did come as a result of success. Those are, those are the things that happened with the battle between Abraham and um, Lot when they had their own battle, when they had their own scrambles. It was because of success. And we see here that after Abraham had success, guess what? The king of uh, of Mesise, the king of Salem met him. The king of Salem met him. Abraham guarded himself against temptation. The Bible says that Abraham was met by Bessica. Who told him that, listen, your victory as it were is from God most high. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And that's why Abraham was able to say, well, after being met by Mesise, I guess what Abraham was then met by the king of Sodom. But before the king of Sodom came, Abraham there was an interface that Abraham met Mercedes and put his victory in the right place. And so he was not tempted. He was not tempted to take off what the spoils of Sodom. No, 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 no. For us to rescue successfully, we will not partake of the spoils of Sodom. Glory to God on the highest. So let's just wrap what we've said today. What we said today, as we've been looking about what it means to rescue a, fall, a, a, a fallen brother, we said last week that we must be separate from the world and sin which is what we see in the life of abraham we say we must be motivated by love we must be spiritually trained those were things we started looking at today we must at times partner with other like-minded believers partnering with them doing things with people who would do something not just sitting down sharing prayer points or gossiping in quote and unquote under the guise of prayer points we must use wisdom we say there's a need for wisdom and we must guide ourselves from temptation we must guide ourselves from temptation god is faithful to put before us our teachers god is faithful to bring before us training materials god has faithfully preserved his word so that we as modern day believers can watch the word can read the word can listen to the word and be trained be be, be 
equipped for righteousness, be equipped for all that God has called us to do, child of God. We're looking at the faithfulness of God. And as I look at Genesis chapter 14, I see the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God in Abraham being a watcher. The faithfulness of God in Abraham being a warrior. And the faithfulness of God in Abraham being a worshiper. We'll be looking at that next week. But do you know that Abraham was a warrior? Do you know that Abraham was a man of peace? When it came to the time to fight a battle, he did fight a battle. Child of God, we've said that we, we also on a daily basis are fighting a battle between our flesh and our spirit. But God is faithful. There is grace enough for us to say no to ungodliness. There is grace for us to yield to the spirit. There is grace for us as we yield to the spirit, not to walk and be low ragers, but to watch out for our brothers and sisters and to rescue any one of them that is falling. Because the Bible says that a good shepherd, if he had hundred sheep, oh glory to God in the highest. That reminds me of that song. If he had hundred sheep, he will leave the 99 and go and rescue the one. Child of God, is there somebody around you who is someone who needs to be rescued? Is there someone around you? Perhaps they have offended you, but still, you know that this person needs rescue and God has been laying your heart to do so this this, this morning I keep saying morning because I'm in morning here it's another time for us to take out and do that which God has done because God has shown us this perfect example he never asks us to do anything that he has not done what did he do he came all the way to rescue us from the hand and the tiny of the enemy. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your faithful. Thank you for your word today. We give you praise and we appreciate you. We receive grace, Father. Lord, to rescue fallen brethren around us. We receive grace also not to be prideful at the, in the midst of this all, O God, but to follow and to keep ourselves under discipline and be trained. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. We hope you have been blessed by the word of God today. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Feasting at the Table.